Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. And welcome to another brand new episode here of the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! And if some of you are currently watching, settle the score. Yes, we are saying wearing the same shirts from a week ago. That's right. Uh, to do this show here. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We are very, very happy to jump into all things going on in the world of geekdom. We got some massive stuff that dropped today. Some changes in the world of Gotham, some new trailers to dive into, some conversations about Disney that are a bit uncomfortable. But the big news is, as we're recording this today, the Kenobi teaser trailer dropped, something we've all been waiting for, and finally it is here. It's a minute and 46 seconds. We all got a chance to watch it. I did a trailer reaction for it, and we're going to break it all down in our main topic. But let's go around the horn and introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw, John Roker, writer, producer, and host here on the Outlaw Nation of the Geek Buddies. Mike. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies, and happy that we finally uh, got our timing right with a trailer release. <laughs> That's a great point. Shannon? And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Silicon Valley, and the Goldbergs. And, and before we go any further, I just want to give a big shout-out to Carbon Health, who powers and sponsors us here on the Geek Buddies and on the Outlaw Nation. They're a fantastic healthcare company. They're a national healthcare company that helps people. They got 90 clinics in 14 states, virtual care in 24 states, all available to you for you to use. Go to carbonhealth.com and see all the multiple services and facilities they have available for you to take advantage. Sometimes day of appointments are available in your area. Check with them. They're they just believe that healthcare should be accessible to everybody, and they believe in constructing healthcare plans that work specifically for you, not for a general you, but you specifically. So go and pay attention. Go and uh, give them a call and pay attention to what they're telling you. And do me a favor. Do us a favor, really. Tweet out and let us know when you go see them what your experience is like, and at them 
So they understand that we are having an effect on getting people through their doors and get seen by them. They do testing also for COVID and for heading uh, uh, heading overseas for that as well. So, all right. Anyway, let's get into these things here with uh, with uh, the Geek Buddy stuff. The way it works is the three of us uh, talk about a Geek News item. Each of us brings up one Geek News item. We talk about it amongst ourselves, take a bit of a break, and jump into our main topic. And our main topic, how can it not be, is breaking down that Kenobi teaser trailer. So be patient. We will get to it. And look for the time codes down there if you want to jump ahead to let you know when we're doing it. All right, um, Michael, you're starting us off, I believe. All right, well, let's dive in to some rainbow-colored controversy at the Walt Disney Company. <laughs> Um, all right, so unless you've been living under a rock, you have probably heard that uh, Florida has passed the Parental Rights in Education Bill, also dubbed the Don't Say Gay Bill, uh, which limits what classrooms can teach about sexual orientation and gender identity uh, in schools, particularly ages kindergarten through third grade. So obviously, this is a bill that uh, if you... Uh, are part of the LGBTQ community, if you have a friend or a family member who is part of the LGBTQ community, or you just support the LGBTQ community, you probably think is pretty horrible because it basically says you shouldn't talk about something that is just a way of life for a ton of people. Um, and if you are a big fan of Disney, you probably know that gay people in the LGBTQ community love them some Disney. Um, and Disney, for their part, uh, seems pretty positive. They participate in gay pride parades. They have pride merchandise every year. Um, however, what was discovered by the Orlando Sentinel is that the Disney company, um, while giving money to lots of politicians uh, in Florida, uh, also gave money to every single one of the politicians who supported uh, the Don't Say Gay bill. And of course, this got Disney into a lot of hot water because it really did kind of look like Disney gives a lot of lip service to supporting uh, LGBTQ rights while at the exact same time giving money to the exact people who are trying to take those rights away. Um, Bob Chapek, CEO of Disney, came out earlier in the week uh, trying to explain their stance um, but didn't really kind of explain it, kind of, it was a non-answer. He said that uh, what was most important was the content that they put out, um, as if their content was super, super gay, when we could get into a big conversation about that. Um, it says, you know, in terms of communities, we are and continue to be a leader of supporting uh, and championing diversity, um, but it really wasn't enough for most people. So throughout the week, people have been protesting, uh, Disney employees, creatives who work for Disney, voice talent, writers, directors, just across the board, have really, really been pressuring um, Bob Chapek and the Disney company to take a stance and explain what they've been doing. And as of us taping this today, um, they have sort of come out. They had their shareholders meeting today, and Bob Chapek, because he really didn't have a choice, um, kind of came out and said, while we've been strong supporters of the community for decades, I know that many are upset we did not speak out against the bill. We were opposed to the bill from the outset, and we chose not to take public positions because we felt we could be more effective working behind the scenes with lawmakers on both sides of the uh -huh. aisle. Since that effort failed and the bill did pass, uh, Chapek said that he called Governor Ron DeSantis to express our disappointment and concern that if legislation becomes law, it could be used to unfairly target gay, lesbian, non-binary, and, tra and transgender kids and families. The governor heard our concerns and agreed to meet with me and LGBTQ plus members of our senior team in Florida to discuss ways to address them. Now, uh, DeSantis's uh, group came out, a uh, spokesperson said, this is the first time we've heard from Disney regarding this bill. The governor did take the call from Mr. Chapek. The governor's position has not changed. No in-person meeting has been scheduled yet. 
Uh, in addition, at the shareholders meeting, Chapek said that Disney would donate $5 million to LGBTQ organizations like the Human Rights Campaign uh, and saying that they're committed to supporting community organizations like these who are better equipped to take on fights. Meanwhile, we will also be addressing our approach to advocacy, including political giving in Florida. So after about a week of protest and pressure, Disney seems like they're at least saying they're doing the right thing, but it has definitely been a week that has upset many, many people. Um, that was a mouthful. I think that encompasses the entire story. I know that I'm the gay buddy here, but to my two straight allies, what do you think about all this? Johnny? Yeah, I'm gonna blow a gasket here because I, and I'm, I'm not gonna go too crazy, but this is ridiculous. And this is a bunch of corporate speak bullshit. Let's put it on the table. It's a bunch of corporate speak bullshit. The fact that Disney thinks that they're small when it's convenient for them and big when it's convenient for them is hilarious on so many levels. The lie that he told, and he told a lie, according to the DeSantis governor people, he is lying when he says that Disney was working behind the scenes and trying to make sure this bill didn't pass. Disney, in 2016, Disney threatened to take productions out of Georgia and that completely turned around the LGBTQ bill that was going to be happening down there. If Disney had threatened to shut down their parks, if Disney had threatened to not put any more uh, or if the Marvel people had walked out, there are so many things that Disney could have done to affect, it, to affect this bill one way or another. And Abigail Disney came out and said, Bob Chapek is not, essentially said, Bob Chapek is not telling the truth about this whole situation. He cares about a right-wing black backlash. That's what he's really worried about. And this idea that, oh, keep my politics out of entertainment, it doesn't exist. That's a that's a Disney version of the world. And when, in fact, clearly, politics are involved with everything you do. Identity politics, sexual politics, social justice, it's involved. Hell, a majority of the films we love so much are even from Disney are because they speak about accepting people for who they are, not for judging them for who they are, trying to find redemption, trying to find acceptance. Those are the basic premises of so many Disney films that made their names, made them, made their bones as a company. So seeing this kind of thing, seeing the kind of apathetic approach to it, seeing the kind of corporate doublespeak, then seeing a paltry $5 million for Disney. DiCaprio just gave 10 million to the Ukraine. What is five million when it comes to really stepping forward? This is them trying to have their cake and eat it too, trying to pussyfoot around the situation rather than taking a strong stance. And it's an absolute lie that they were going, oh, behind the scenes, in my opinion. I think they're lying through their teeth that they were going behind the scenes and seeing, you know, just make it clear, hey, don't do this. You're Disney, okay? You're the mouse. People are afraid to cross the mouse. And this decision, this how can I say this? This colossal mistake has caused even creators who are under the Disney banner to speak out in a way that they've never spoken out before, willing to risk their jobs, willing to risk their status as showrunners on these shows, as writers or head writers on these future shows that didn't even come out, yet they're willing to risk this. And that tells you how horrific this is. And DeSantis, the same guy who walked up to a bunch of kids and tried to bully them for to, to, about their wearing their masks, is really the guy you trust to handle this situation, ridiculous. From so many levels, ridiculous. Disney lives off the LGBTQ community. They are so, they love going to Disney. There's days, gay days, all those things as Michael pointed out. So to me, I thought this was a complete spit in the face of the LGBTQ community. And to be even more brutal here, 
I think they saw there's more people on the red state side of things than there are in the actual LGBTQ community. And so they figured, just like car insurance companies do sometimes, it's better to just pay pay the damages rather than to fix the thing in the car. And so I think that's what they essentially did here, and it's disgusting. Yeah, I mean, to what John said about, you know, the $5 million, I mean, this is, this is uh, lip service, <laughs> what he came out afterwards. I mean, this is not expecting the blowback that has happened and now trying to kind of walk it back and be like, oh, well, you know, we work behind the scenes. You know, we figure it's it's better for these organizations to do this. It's like, well, okay, but then you also donate to candidates. You donate to politicians who uh, supported this bill. And there are ways because obviously like Disney donates to politicians because politicians are the ones that, you know, approve land grants and stuff like, I mean, there, you know, there's, there's a whole, you know, there's a whole back and forth, but to, to not say any, I mean, it was the bare minimum, (laughs) like (laughs) it it, it didn't seem like it would have been that hard for Bob Chapek to, 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 uh, to say this, but look, man, I mean, Florida, you know, I'm, you know, I'm from Florida, Vogel's from Florida, John went to school in Florida, um florida is an easy punchline a lot of times um but as someone who came from florida and who worked with a lot of performers with a lot of uh, creative folks who do work for disney um you know you hope that the country knows that not everyone is behind this that you know florida uh, oftentimes it's it's not a red wave that happens with elections in florida it's always very very close and uh, the red side, the Republicans usually just end up eking it out. And it's just such a shame that, you know, create creatives, especially like you, you, you want to work for Disney. I mean, Disney has such an incredible history and there's yeah. so much, you know, I mean, and it's it's a studio that can make things happen. But at the same time, this is this is uh, I could see this potentially being sort of maybe a creative exodus from Disney. You'd be like, look, until you guys get your shit figured out like maybe it's time to go explore some other options like again that's 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 a perfect world that's you know that's pie in the sky but ultimately you just wish they would have done the right thing to begin with yeah yeah i think i mean the main thing i've been thinking i mean obviously i agree with both of what you guys said and i'm glad that you're my friends and you said it um (laughs) i it's hard i think that so many people even as much as for as much as people say, of course, I support gay people, I support gay marriage, I support trans people, I support whatever. This is the perfect example of the world we live in, which is when the rubber meets the road and Disney is giving a lot of money to people who, as Shannon said, are probably the right ones to give money to who are going to like grant land uh, rights, uh, you know, tax loopholes, tax benefits, all the things that the Republican Party kind of, you know, is known for, uh, you know, there's it's. I'm not saying anything uh, inflammatory to say that giant companies prefer the more conservative Republican Party in the way that they work with corporations. And so I think Disney as a giant corporation is the same thing. But when that comes in direct conflict with these uh, issues that deal with people's rights, that deal with people's uh, people being accepted. And I think, you know, when you look at what this bill is, there's definitely people who are like, oh, what's the big deal? You know, kindergarten through third grade, you're not allowed to talk about and teach about transgender stuff or gay stuff. But like when you're a little gay kid or a trans kid and you're being told that who you are is not appropriate for classroom conversation, like that has a pretty profound effect on you. So it's a big deal. Um, I I keep thinking about how much I miss Bob Iger 
Like, I don't think if Iger were the CEO, yeah. even if Disney had been giving that money, the second this went down, it wouldn't have gone down the way it is. I think everything that we've witnessed in the past week is seeing Bob Chapek as not the CEO, maybe, that Disney needs to have as the frontward-facing uh, person at the head of things. You know, am I glad that they finally came out and said what they said? Sure, but I think at this point, it is a little bit too little too late. I think Disney's going to have a hard time sort of regaining ground after this from the LGBTQ community because, as you guys said, um, so much of what Disney has given us has come from directly from the LGBTQ community. I mean, I was thinking a lot this week about Howard Ashman. Mm. Um, without Howard Ashman, we don't have a part of your world. We don't have friend like me. You know what I mean? Like we don't have Beauty and the Beast. Like we don't have Be Our Guest. Like there is so much that that one singular person brought and he is just one tiny example of all of the amazing talented people, like absolutely creative people across the board, straight people, cisgender people, everything else. But the amount of gay people, LGBTQ people who work at the Disney company, who love the Disney company, who have like really given so much of their lives and who have been so inspired by the stories, it really is like, it's a shitty, shitty feeling. And so I'm glad that as we are reporting this, they've at least finally doubled down and said, no, we don't agree with this. But to John's point, even this whole, oh, we're going to talk with DeSantis and DeSantis coming out and saying, well, I don't know anything about that. Like, you just still get that feeling that Disney is trying to cover their ass and they're in complete damage control, but they're not standing out at the forefront and standing for something. They're just shuffling around trying to be like, please don't look over here. We would prefer to not have the week that we're having. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, you know, you got to understand that the... the the power, the, the time is, as, as uh, Abigail Disney said, it was, I think, the grandniece of Walt Disney. The time for standing on the sidelines is over. And it is, ladies and gentlemen. You got to understand that because people are ramming through legislation that is going to affect people's lives. It isn't in the abstract, it's in the real situation. If your son, daughter, family member, friend is a member of the LGBTQ community, they're coming for them. That's the thing. They operate under the ignorant belief that if you tech, talk to someone about their homosexuality or present this, you're going to turn them homosexual. You're going to turn them gay. You're going to turn them into a, a transvestite. You're going to turn them into all kinds of things. And it's one of the most stupidest, simplistic, ignorant points of views. And these people are using the fear of that, the manufactured fear of that, to push through this kind of legislation. And Disney, a company that absolutely promotes the idea of inclusion and acceptance and love to not come out, as Michael said, and be on the forefront of this issue and be strong like they were in Georgia, you have to ask yourself why. I mean, if they threatened to shut down the parks there in, in Florida, DeSantis would have listened because the tourist money, that's a lot of money that would have gone out of the economy of Florida and trust me, politicians shut the fuck up once you start attacking the money that they could be making off you because they can get voted out of office quite quickly by angry voters and angry people who've been unemployed or laid off by Disney. So it's that kind of thing. They have the power. They chose not to use it this time around. And you have to ask questions about why and you have to find out why. And the thing is, Chapik at the end of the day, as, as great as he was you know, with Disney Plus and the streaming service and all this, this could be a thing that completely undoes all of that in people's eyes. And don't be surprised if they don't take a stronger step or stronger measures here that people in mass exodus start leaving Disney projects. Or even what if what if Feige and all the Marvel people said, we're not shooting any more footage. We're done 
until you handle this situation. There are options here to kind of put Disney under fire and put and and force them into a position that they should be taking. So I don't know. Well, that's that's. I do that's, think. I mean, I'm not. I'm certainly not defending Disney here. But at this point, yeah. I mean, this isn't really Disney's battle to fight now. I mean, the bill has been passed. DeSantis is going to pass it or pass it. Di- Chapek fucked up. Disney fucked up. Disney, yeah. I would assume, is probably going to adjust how they are allocating their money and like political giving and political donations moving forward. But the bill is the bill. Like Disney can't fight this bill anymore. The bill happened. It's going to have to be fought in the Florida in Florida governments and. That's what that is. But I think what they do need to do and what they can do is they do need to be we, we need a little bit more than, oh hey guys, LeFou is gay in the live action That's Disney. True. Very and we true. got like a brief shot, or hey, check out that point one second lesbian kiss at the end of Rise of Skywalker. Let's give ourselves a pat on the back. Like right. where Chapek wasn't wrong, he was wrong in saying it as a sort of concession, but Disney's power is in their content. Yep. Disney's power is in the stories that they tell. So the thing that Disney can do moving forward, in addition to like maybe don't give to the shitty Republicans who want to take away people's rights, is or any any politician who is doing anything they shouldn't be doing, Democrat or Republican. But uh, the other thing they should do is like, let's really step up representation in your films. Let's not do this little, hey, wasn't that a lesbian couple in the background of the Pixar movie? I think so. Let me watch it in slow motion to make sure. But really taking um, the idea of representation and putting it at the forefront of more of their stories. And I know that there's examples of that, like Owl House on the Disney Channel. Um, There's definitely shows that are doing that. There's definitely creators that are doing it. We just need to do it more. And they need to do it on the bigger projects, Mike. The smaller projects, it's easier to get away with that. It's easier because you figure it's not going to be noticed that strongly, except by the people who are watching it. But something like, let's say the Fasto situation, flesh that relationship out. Let's have, this is what I was talking about when I was mad about Eternals. Like, it's it's the same pattern, the small kiss here or the little kiss like there. Flesh it out, show it, put it in your main stuff, and hopefully... From what Feige's been saying about Marvel embracing more of that, we'll see a Loki who's bisexual. We'll see, um, uh, uh, you know, all of that, a polyamory relationship. We'll see that kind of stuff happening in our world, a transvestite, LGBTQ plus stuff, all of it happening in a more with more main characters and to have it be in the main projects that they're doing. That's where you're really going to put, as you said, the rubber to the road and see how people react to it and take both the positive and the negative that comes with that. Yeah, we shall see. Um, all right, let's move on uh, to our next thing. Uh, is it me? I think this time, right? Am I moving it's on? It's you. To- it's okay. Let's jump into it here. We got some news coming out of Gotham City, ladies and gentlemen. Gotham City. The first thing we used to talk about, I think, to lead, because it's the bigger story here, is it's been official. Uh, it is officially, rather, now uh, happening. The Penguin series is actually happening here, according to Deadline. Matt Reeves told them on he, on the Hero Nation podcast that the Penguin will be picking up where the movie left off in regards to the Penguin. He said the original Batman spinoff series he conceived centering around a corrupt cop and events preceding the movie is no longer moving forward at HBO Max, but the Penguin is the working title of the show. It will be executive produced by Reeves, by Dylan Clark, by uh, Lauren LaFranc, all a part of this. Uh, Sarah Aubrey issued a statement saying from HBO Max, she said, we are thrilled. She's the head of original content. She said, we are thrilled to bring audiences a new version of this iconic DC character that they have never seen before. It is incredible to be working with Matt, Dylan, and Lauren on continuing the story and to see Colin take his already exceptional performance in the Batman 
to the next level. Uh, so the world that Matt Reeves has created here, this is uh, Pharrell saying this, the world that Matt Reeves created for Batman is one that warrants a deeper gaze through the eyes of Oswald Cobblepot. It was previously announced that uh, LeFranc had penned the pilot, and of course the Penguin is based on the characters that were created there. And of course, this is coming on the heels of an incredible, what, $301 million global grossing success of the batman so this is happening on hbo max the penguin it has it's going straight to series off of what happened there in the batman so gentlemen let's deal with that real quick are you excited about it what do you think about it uh what do you want to see here i mean you know no matter how you felt about the batman just with with us three we have three different opinions Uh, johnny thought it was a masterpiece yes i really liked it and i think vogel liked it maybe a little less than i did um, but I think no one would argue the impression that Colin Farrell made as Oswald Cobblepot. I mean, across the board, even the folks that, that didn't care for it, no one has come out and said anything bad about Oswald Cobblepot. Everybody loved Colin Farrell's turn. And the way that the film leaves off, how um, there is a bit of a power vacuum, um, that seems like it's pretty ripe uh, storytelling material for to, to, to see how, uh, how Oswald Cobblepot can try to ascend to the top of gotham's criminal empire um you know the thing that i loved about his performance um and and i and and i don't recall seeing this before was this was an oswald cobblepot who's almost you can see him wanting to be he's he's going to be a bit of an imposter because oswald cobblepot has always had sort of a like a night like he's a he's 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 elegant like Mm -hmm. he's a gentleman and you just think about those great gangster movies where I'm thinking like De Niro in, in Untouchables, like these guys that, that came up, you know, from the school of hard knocks and yeah. suddenly they're in this elite world. And I think it would be awesome if he starts experimenting with top hats. If he starts, yeah, I got to carry an umbrella. It's fancy. It's fancy. He wears a mod, like all of these things, like, like prior to watching the film, be like, uh, I don't know. It's gonna work. It's kind of dumb. Um, but now having a, a a fuller picture of what he of this character that he created, um, you can totally see a world in in which those kind of broader comic book choices will work in the in the way that Matt Reeves has has you know constructed this world. I, I'm so excited. Like I finished the first time watching the Batman, and I'm like, yeah, I, I like I, I really like parts of it. I'm shocked that the the thing that I'm coming out with the most is I can't wait to see a Penguin television show. Mm. Mike? I'm super excited. I don't know that I need to see him in a top hat or a monocle, but I'm I'm (laughs) equally as excited. I'm equally as excited as Shannon is, um, mainly because I think that Matt Reeves has a really, really clear vision um, for not only where he wants to take the Batman in these movies, but uh, for Gotham City, for Arkham City, and for where he sees everything going. I mean, you really do get the sense that he has this big, sprawling story that he wants to tell, and a part of that is the Penguin's rise to power. And I think using a TV series between movies to sort of have him go from uh, where he's at at the end, I'm trying to not do too many spoilers, but where we see Oswald Cobblepot at the end of the Batman, uh, and where Matt Reeves would like him to be at the beginning of the sequel, and letting this HBO Max series kind of fill in those gaps and tell a little bit of a more focused story on him as opposed to using that in screen time, I think it's gonna be really, really uh, beneficial to the entire Batman story that Reeves is telling. 
Um, I think Colin Farrell was absolutely amazing. I mean, I think just in the little bit that we got of him in the movie, everybody was clamoring to see more, and we're going to get that. So I see this as like a... We, you know, I think we talked about this early on. Like, well, what is this Penguin series going to be? Do we really want to see this? And now I think this is going to be a huge, huge win for them. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree with both of what you guys are saying. You know, I've talked about it on, on all my reviews and all our conversations about the Batman. It's the Penguin that I came out of. Love it. Came out of that film absolutely. Love. And Colin Farrell was just stole the movie with every scene that he was in. So to have him have more time to expand on this is going to be interesting because remember, Gotham wasn't that long ago. And a lot of people really enjoyed Robin Lord Miller and what he did with this penguin. He was the standout of the show. And so now what, what are you going to explore here that you didn't explore there? Where, where, How deeper into the Arkham games as people have been comparing this movie it being influenced by to the Arkham games? Where How, how much deeper of that story are we going to tell are we going to weave in Court of Owls? Are we going to weave in all these other things that are connected to the Penguin in some way? Are we going to launch other films or other sh- I mean, are we going to have her pop- him pop up in Batgirl? Like, what are we having here with Colin well, Farrell? Will he be the fulcrum as the Penguin of all these other shows and pop up in certain spots? Uh, because now, clearly, streaming services, there's no longer a division between streaming services and theatrical uh, films when it comes to stuff like Marvel, so I can't and, and Star Wars, so I can't imagine there'll be a difference on the other side with Warner Brothers with HBO Max, a difference between the theatrical and the streaming services. So, well, but I'm excited. This, yes, yeah. but I mean, he's not showing up in Batgirl. Okay, that's not that's not the same. It's God the, the different universe. Is Batgirl it? has a yeah. Batgirl has a different Batgirl has a. Has J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons, Simmons is the commissioner. Is commissioner Gordon. Oh. Like it's, Batgirl is part of the DC extended well, universe world. Colin Farrell is part of Matt Reeves' Batman universe. Well, before Michael Vogel schools me too much, from what I understand, a multiverse is coming in Flash. So Penguin could show up in the Batgirl. Am I wrong on that? Mm, I mean, you're not wrong. It would be a horrible idea, but it is Warner Brothers, so you're not wrong. Leslie Grace, take it easy. Yeah, all right, fair enough, fair enough. But you're right to correct me on that. I thought it was all going to be operating peripherally within that. But okay, fair enough. On the other side of things, uh, one comes, uh, you know, with one, what is it? One door opens and one window shuts. And the window that shuts this time around is on Gotham PD. This was also revealed by Matt Reeves on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast. That's the one hosted by Josh Horowitz, uh, who I beat in the showdown, by the way. HBO Max announced the series in July of 2020. That there was going to be this Gotham police series that was going to be based on this awesome uh, uh miniseries from back in the late 1970s early 1980s called the prince of the city uh which is kind of influenced by the sydney lamette version of new york here but in the end they have apparently according to matt reeves they have shut the window on that he said quote one thing that we're not doing that i was going to do so there's the gotham police show which that one actually is put on hold we're not really doing that the series was set one year before the batman as the Gotham police force must reckon with the emergence of Batman and its own corruption. So in essence, Batman year one was going to be happening around the same time as this series. Uh, and it was going to be following a corrupt Gotham cop. So maybe they figured, well, we can't have two spinoff series where both of the leads are corrupt people. Let's put all our uh, baskets in the penguin uh, type of situation. So it is not happening. Um, but there isn't a series apparently coming to maybe take its place, which is about Arkham Asylum. And we know with the Batman, the Arkhams were spoken about. The Arkham Asylum is a real th- is a thing in the Batman. Certainly, they again, they compared it to the Arkham games. So do you guys like the idea that we're not going to get this 
um, uh, GCPD, in essence, uh, uh, show and get an Arkham Asylum show instead? Do you think they're doing that to launch future villains for the Batman to face in the movies? I mean, that's certainly that's certainly an interesting idea. I mean, like Gotham Central, the comic series is outstanding. And when they first announced that they were going to do a GCPD series, I think for, for comic fans, the the hope is like, oh, you're doing Gotham Central. Yeah. And then, you know, the log line leaked out and it was just like, OK, that's not that's not actually it. But OK, maybe it's close. But it's like, OK, if the the gotham that that matt reeves is building like if if the if the, the story is no longer going in that direction i'd rather i'd rather have them cancel it than than and and give us an opportunity to see like a proper like gotham gotham central um take place within the world of the batman the further the the, the more the world expands the arkham series that's interesting like i was thinking about that i'm like you could i mean you could have something like the arkham chronicles where you 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 focus on a different inmate and how how they got there, what, where they're going. I, I'm I that's another one of those. I'm like I don't know what that show is because I don't know unless this has to do with inmates getting out. I, I, I don't I don't know where that show goes. Um, but for the most part, you know Matt Reeves really really delivered. So if if this is what he thinks is the best course of action, I'm there for it. Yeah, Mike. I mean, do you do you like this idea? They're shutting one down for the other. And do you think that maybe some WB executives took a look at everything? And we're like, eh, let's move in this direction instead. What do you think happened here? I mean, like, I think that they probably tried to develop this Gotham series out, the PD series, and it never quite got where they wanted it to be, uh, and it wasn't working. And then I think as the movie has come out, I think also setting something a year before this movie kind of makes it feel like, uh, well, then why do we care? Like, I yeah, think as people are really excited about what's happening in the Batman, everything we just said about the Penguin is, oh, that's cool because we're going to get to see where he goes next. Uh, and you know what Matt Reeves said in that interview that you, that you mentioned, you know, he goes, we've moved into the realm of exactly what would happen in the world of Arkham as it relates coming out of our movie and some of the characters and their origins, almost leaning into the idea of it's like a horror movie or a haunted house that is Arkham. And he said the idea, again, the way that Gotham is a character in the movie, I really want Arkham to exist as a character. So you go into this environment and encounter these characters in a way that feels really fresh. And so in our work on Gotham, that story was evolving and it started to feel like, well, let's really lean into this. And that's where they ended up. So I think that as they were kind of, I'm sure that in this Gotham series, that this GCPD series that they were talking about, Arkham and the inmates and dealing with those people was a presence. And as, as often happens, maybe like they started to like dibble things out and they realized their main character in the story they were telling was less interesting than this smaller part. And somebody was like, oh, let's do this. Because even if this Arkham series were to take place prior to the Batman, seeing some of these characters that we know and are familiar with coming into Arkham and knowing that they are there, I mean, yeah. again, without getting into any major spoilers for people who haven't watched the Batman yet, something that a lot of people have been talking about coming out of the Batman is the storyline of, uh, of um, No Man's Land, where all of Gotham became like this war zone and all these criminals were breaking out. And so, like, maybe using the Arkham series to plant a bunch of criminals that could be in the next movie, and we already know who they are and where they came from, could be really interesting. So I think it's a really good idea. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so, too. I, I look forward to seeing what we're going to get from that. And, and, and But the horror aspect gives me hesitation the same way it did when James Wan was like, oh, let's do the trenches, a horror out of Aquaman. Stop it. Just well, to me, I'm like, just focus on what it is. Build but that Ar out a little bit, and then we can Asylum, maybe mess with it. But Arkham Asylum 
is a horror. Like, the trench and these creatures in the trench and James Wan, like, you're like, okay, yeah. I kind of see what you want to do. But, like, Arkham Asylum is a horror house. Like, it's, like, yeah. super fucked up people, each mo- each monster with their own origin. Like, it kind right. of leans mo- way more towards being horror than uh, saying, I'm going to do some random thing and make it a horror. Oh, no, don't, 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 don't misunderstand. I'm not saying you can't do it, right? It's not something, but I'm saying it's not something I necessarily gravitate to. I Because, I, I mean, what are we going to have, a, a hero psychiatrist or a hero nurse or something like that that deals with the fact that these people are insane? And so, in essence, your villains become, an, in a way, anti-heroes because you get to spend more time with them, get to know them, get to see what makes them tick. Because one-dimensional I mean, evil villains is, is going to be not interesting it. at all. You have to humanize them. And in humanizing them, you risk turning them into anti-heroes. I'm going to direct you to Bruce Timm's Batman animated series. I don't know if you've <laughs> noticed, but out of every comic book hero that there is, Batman's rogues gallery is a rogues gallery filled with tragic characters who are of not course. one-dimensional villains who have these very, very unique origins Victor Freeze, Clayface, Two-Face, any one of them. Also, (laughs) I could see them... A lot of faces. (laughs) I could see them doing something, you know, like maybe there is a young up-and-coming psychiatrist who starts at Arkham Asylum with intentions of really making her name and then gets seduced by these villains and then goes down a villainous road and maybe her name is Harley Quinzel. What universe is that in? I, I want to clarify what universe that is in. Well, she is allowed to be in this universe as well okay. because she is a Batman character. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think the Batgirl and the Penguin are Batman characters, but all right. Well, Margot this... Robbie's heart. I, let me explain to you how the universe works. Margot you know Robbie's... what? You stop condescending to me right now, first of all. We cut that Margot shit out Robbie's, right now. Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn is – she could show up in Batgirl. If there is a Harley Quinn in Matt Reeves' Batman, it will most likely not be Margot Robbie. Oh, all right, or could be. We know, we don't know. No, my point is that with the and, and let me direct you back to Bruce Timm's the Batman series. They went on adventures outside of Arkham Asylum. That's my point. This, if this is all self-contained, it'll feel like New Mutants, and I don't want New Mutants. So I want something that'll go out. That's I guess what I'm. My overall general point is I don't want a horror house. I want something else that's going to be a little bit more expansive. Uh, overall but again this is just the idea they haven't even started probably with a script yet or anything like that i'm sure they're mapping stuff out but not really necessarily locking down scripts so who knows where it's going to go but it's exciting and one movie doing so well now launching yeah uh possibly two spinoff series off it's pretty incredible entertainment is changing left and right all right shannon calm us down here uh let's do something positive what are we talking about here we're talking trailers, trailers. I'm going to save the last one for the main topic. Right <laughs> now, we're going to talk about two trailers. So the first one, we get a Red Band trailer. The second trailer for the Nicolas Cage opus, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. So that first trailer, you know, it just looked like Nick Cage craziness, having fun. Pedro Pascal's there. A little bit of Tiffany Haddish. A little bit of Ike Barinholtz. Um, So this one, when when... When the project was first announced, they had talked about how Nick Cage would start working with the CIA. So we didn't really get a whole lot of that from the first trailer. Now we have a very, very clear picture of where the movie is going to go. And much like the first trailer, the second one did not disappoint at all. So, gentlemen, I'll throw it to you first. What did you all think of our second look 
at the unbearable weight of massive talent. Mikey? I am so into this movie. <laughs> I mean, Nick Cage taking the piss out of Nick Cage is just gold. Uh, and then really kind of seeing with this trailer, we get a little bit more of the story. So we knew in the first trailer that Nicolas Cage, playing Nicolas Cage, went to an island where Pedro Pascal played a guy who hired Nicolas Cage to come hang out there because he loved Nicolas Cage. So we got that part. What we get here is that Ike Barinholtz and Tiffany Haddish are... Uh, working for the government and Pedro Pascal is a big bad guy and Nicolas Cage basically has to go undercover uh, and is really upset about it because he really loves his number one fan and his number one fan really loves him. And so just the levels of this thing, like Nicolas Cage going to this place as Nicolas Cage, uh, finding this guy who loves everything that he's done, which kind of makes him feel better about his career, finding out that he has to work against this guy as if he's in a Nick Cage movie, and then not wanting to because these two dudes really are in love with each other, is such a batshit crazy concept, and I literally can't wait to see it. Yeah, you know, this is one of those stories that unsettles me and excites me at the same time, because... Do you know there are fans who think, you know, if I could just meet this famous person, we'd totally be best friends. And this now will just instigate that kind of belief and uh, reinforce that kind of belief as well for some people. And so, I, I you know, I, I don't necessarily like that idea. But you're right. There's so much, This is a way bigger movie than you initially thought from that first trailer. You know, oh, he's just a guy who's going to go over and they're going to get into some weird madcap stuff. Like the the scene from the, the from the wall in the first trailer, where he's crying, he's trying to get him to climb over the wall, which is brilliant. This is clearly a way bigger situation than they anticipated, and kind of funny to see two members of the after party here with Tiffany Haddish and Ike Barinholtz coming together now to play members of the government try, or agency here, trying to uh, make sure uh, Nicholas Cage and and Pedro Pascal are not getting into kind of or whatever trouble they're getting into to monitor it. But there's so many great allusions to Nick's former movies. I mean, the two guns coming out, the two gold guns, that is just genius on so many levels. And, Mike, I think you nailed it here, man. This is a bromance. We're watching to go see a bromance, a way out there insane bromance, and Nicolas Cage dialing into Nicolas Cage. I mean, that scene where he's doing the sneer and the screen and all of that, like, that's like, oh, my God, he's so willing to go there. That makes me excited on so many levels as well. And, I just, I, this looks like, I mean, I love that they started with Lion's Cage. When a studio get, gets the film, then they're going to promote it in such a great way to get you excited about it. And so I love that they're doing that here in this trailer. 100%, if there's any hesitation, you know what this movie is now. Yeah. And if you're not excited about it, I, I don't know what's wrong with you. This looks like a blast. And God love Nicolas Cage who does not have an issue taking the piss out of himself as long as it's done well. And it seems like it's going to be done well in this movie. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, over the last few years, he, he's made some very um, off-the-wall projects. Some, yes. very, right. some very artistic that got critical accolades and some yeah. that are just bananas. But much like Ben Affleck in The Tender Bar, and again, I'm basing this off of two trailers, oh, yeah. right. there is a light in Nicolas Cage's eyes when he's, again, taking the piss out of himself. And it's like, I, I cannot wait to watch this. I mean, it comes out April 22nd. It is going to rule the box office for two <laughs> weeks before Doctor Strange inevitably runs it over. So our next trailer, speaking of things that got run over, um, we got our first teaser for Star Trek Strange New Worlds. So, you know, I I'm so curious to, like the Paramount marketing team clearly, you know, 
they're not they don't just they probably they're probably not discussing with other studios about uh release strategies but when they release this trailer and then the trailer for obi-wan <laughs> comes out i mean right after it's sort yeah. of like wow that is that is unfortunate but this teaser and again i'm not a star trek guy these two gentlemen are this teaser does look really really cool so i mean correct me if i'm wrong here gentlemen but this is an offshoot of discovery yeah. because we're, we're following now uh anson mount's uh christopher pike yeah. and so the thing that i loved about visually about this trailer and it was something that i really liked about star trek into darkness um was the earthbound real world aspect of it like sort of the, the precursor to the adventure watching him with these enormous fans like these enormous sort of i'm assuming windmills um in the snow before we see a spaceship i thought that looked so cool yeah. so again as you two are the resident star trek star trek expert i will throw it over to you what did you think of our first look at star trek strange new worlds Christopher Pike. I mean, that's a character that I've been obsessed with since the original series when he was in that wheelchair beeping yes or no to Spock uh, in those in the, in the menagerie two-parter uh, episodes, which is incredible. And I did those on Enterprise Incidents with Scott and Steve. And I am so excited. I, I loved him with Bruce, Bruce Greenwood in the 2009 Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek universe. And now Anson Mount killed it on Discovery as Christopher Pike and bringing his whole crew and, uh, into a, its own thing. This, the trailer, the pitch, everything about it, and the way they were in Discovery, because they essentially, in my opinion, I know Michael disagrees, they saved Discovery by being a part of it in, say, in the second season. Already, this trailer right here is the best trailer I've seen for any of the Star Trek that's come out or going to come out, in my opinion. It absolutely mirror or not, mixes the new Star Trek with the old Star Trek and finds a happy medium from that flip phone that's sitting on the desk to the shuttle that comes around. Like, it's a great mixture of both. And Anson Mount is a man, ladies and gentlemen. And it's great to see Captain Pike here as a man with this awesome uh, crew of uh, actors and characters that they're going to bring into this. I'm very, very excited for Strange New Worlds. It feels like the original series, an homage to the original series, Star Trek, and that's what excites me at my base level as an original series fan. So I'm very, very much looking forward to this one from the trailer. I think they're doing a good job. Every Star Trek show kind of has a different feel and a different vibe. And this one definitely, mm -hmm. to John's point, has like a classic Star Trek vibe. I mean, kind of seeing the the Enterprise before it was the Enterprise that we knew is kind of a really kind of a fun and interesting thing. I'm with you, Shannon. This is just the year for trailers that really get me with horses in the snow. Like between Jurassic <laughs> Park and this, like Jurassic Park, it's like, look, let's like, it's some horses in the snow with dinosaurs. And here you're like, it's some horse in the snow with a, with a, with a, with a, a, a ship coming through. Like it just really, it works for me. Um, I really love the opening narration. Like, I love the whole thing right. that you were saying. Um, I think it's Rebecca Romaine's character, but I'm not sure. Kind of saying that whole thing about for as much as we talk about how wide and expansive the universe is, and as much as we say that mathematically we know that there must be more out there, that first contact, that first time that someone from the stars comes down, always feels it's stuff of fairy tales. It's the stuff of magic. And you know that this is the crew that's going to go out and seek out new life and new civilizations and boldly and explore strange new worlds and go where no one has gone before. So the idea, the promise of the trailer that we're gonna see this crew go to new planets and make first contact with species and be the people that like 
introduce new alien races to this federation and this wider world of space. Like it has all the hallmarks of what you love about Star Trek. It's exploration, it's optimism, it's hope, it's diversity. It's all the things that I love. So yeah, the promise of this trailer is pretty great. I'm super, super stoked. Yeah. Well, and that is going to come out on May 5th. So what you can do is uh, either watch it at midnight or watch it during the day and then go see Doctor Strange that night. <laughs> it's going to be a crazy day. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to rattle the cage on Paramount Plus here, man. I want to get these things as soon as possible. Um, all right, well, there you go. That's our uh, uh, geek news items that we talked about in the first half of the show. We're going to take a quick break and then jump into our main uh, geek news item which is that conversation about the Obi-Wan Kenobi teaser trailer. We'll be right back uh, right after this. Do, 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 no, do. Wrong. Do, no, do, 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 The Duel of the Fates, I, man. That trailer I, the Duel of the Fates I, all over. I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I don't, I don't have that raging falsetto that you do, so. <laughs> you got to commit. Um, okay, so let's jump into this thing. I mean, we, we had those um, uh, pictures dropped this morning from Entertainment Weekly. Uh, the last print edition of Entertainment Weekly uh, dropped. And some great window into what this world is. Those shots of Kenobi's, those shots of Moses Ingram as Reva, the Inquisitor there, seeing some more of uh, Tatooine, seeing some possible glimpses of the new planet that they've teased is going to be in Kenobi. And then not even a few hours later, bang, uh, here comes the teaser trailer for, which a lot of people were speculating right after those pictures dropped that the trailer was coming. And sure enough, it did. Uh, a minute and 46 seconds, chock full of an idea of what the story is going to be with some great like oh my god moments getting to see Ewan McGregor back again as Obi-Wan Kenobi hearing him back again as Obi-Wan Kenobi this is a broken Obi-Wan this is an Obi-Wan that's probably questioning the Jedi questioning his religion questioning what he's dedicated his life to his quote-unquote best friend I don't buy that still uh has turned to the dark side and become Darth Vader He's seen so many people die. Padme, all of this happened here. The council shattering. Ahsoka Tano now, especially a part of this uh, now in 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 time where we're at. Then he's here on Tatooine and he sees young Luke, which was an awesome moment, either pod racing or flying an X-wing. Um, and then seeing uh, seeing and then we hear the Grand Inquisitor throughout Rupert Friend throughout the whole. Uh, trailer giving this uh, giving us this idea of what of the jedi and hunting down the jedi and killing the jedi so clearly they think there is a jedi here on tatooine so this is a jedi on the run type of show it feels like and we're going to go to a number of places and that new planet is glimpsed in the trailer that feels very blade runner-esque uh in its approach and its look and we got introduced to the grand inquisitors for the first time in live action on screen Pretty incredible stuff here. Uh, Michael, what did you think? Oh, and we got Uncle Owen as well, for God's sakes, Joe Legend back as Uncle Owen. So, Michael, thoughts on the trailer overall uh, before we go and break down everything in it? I mean, overall, I was, you know, it was just, it, it floored me. Like, it was great. Like, it's everything you wanted this trailer to be. And then some, like, you know, just the amount of Inquisitors that we got and the amount of story that we got. And the, the basically that this is, 
it's basically the fugitive in space. I mean, you know, it's the, it's someone, it's someone who's on the run who is trying to stay low, but as a Jedi probably can't help themselves and ends up helping people along the way. And that gets them in trouble. I mean, it's the fugitive. Uh, and everything that they said in the narration that the grand inquisitor said about Jedi's can't help themselves. It's like an itch. Like they just have to, they have to do good. Like it's just, it's so compelling as an idea and really filling in these gaps. And also, if you ever, if you do read the Star Wars comics that are currently coming out with Marvel a few years ago, um, you know, there was a big chunk of the comics that really uh, dealt with Obi-Wan Kenobi watching over Luke and kind of the conflict that he had with Uncle Owen. And just based on the little bit you see in this trailer, it does look like we're gonna get a lot of that. Like with Obi-Wan Kenobi thinking he has to do one thing with Luke and Uncle Owen being like, fuck no. What yeah. Yeah. No. 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 He. No. He finished. You're done with your point. Okay. Great. Uh, Shannon, what did you think of the trailer overall? Is that you not just enough? Do you want me to? No. Keep you going? just got to stop. That. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Look. I mean, you. You. You put it best, John. I mean, this is an Obi Wan Kenobi who is defeated. Like yeah. this guy. Like you know, he. Yeah. He is on his last mission. His last mission is to protect this kid probably from a distance i mean he it, it, based off again just the glimpse um dude's living in a cave sleeping on a mat yeah so this is a guy who as you said has has probably he's disenfranchised he's lost his way like this they've they, they there's the fight is done mm-hmm. so watching what you and mcgregor is going to bring to this is is so exciting getting those peaks at not just the grand inquisitor definitely the fifth brother looks yeah. like another one of the sisters i don't i don't know what the number is yeah. but also uh moses ingram's character who i believe according to the pictures is named uh reva yeah. um getting to see that it looks like she's in tatooine basically trying to burn obi-wan out i mean we we see some feet dangling that we are assuming someone has been hung and watching her going up against like having that moment with joel edgerton which you know deborah chow with the photos was quoted as saying uh thank you george for casting joel edgerton as uncle owen that's all i can say um it just looks so so exciting um seeing that they have the spinning red lightsabers as well the one thing that i was sort of like ha and it's you know we just need to see a little more footage to really uh uh have a solid opinion on it a solid uh, solid judgment call is i love rupert friend's voice as the grand inquisitor the makeup from the shots that we had it's a little i don't know it, it the look didn't quite sell me yeah. um but that's really the only thing i mean the 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 fifth brother makeup like we're not on him long enough but that that was another one that I was like, ah, I'm not so sure, but everything else around it seems so great. And you know, there, there is, there is, there's still time to, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be more footage. There's going to be different angles. So hopefully the two little moments that kind of irk me, um, maybe they are, hopefully they are not going to be prevalent, prevalent in the, uh, in the series. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, there's uh, you talk about uh, the Grand Inquisitor's Rebbe. Yeah, what do you think, Mike, of the look? I mean, I got a little bit of, and I know we we talked about Star Trek already in the previous block, but it felt a little bit like um, was it Nero that the character that Eric Bana played in the Toad Nero Nine Star Trek? It had a little bit of that vibe. It did, uh, you know, what we're used to seeing in the animated series, which of course you can't 100 percent mirror, is that kind of angular. I mean, almost Doug Jones like look to the body type of the Inquisitors. 
his with a little more of a pronounced head and clearly there's makeup and he's not shaving his hair maybe and it's done this way what did you think about that and what did you think about him using that voice you so you're hearing jason isaac's voice what do you think about that? Was that a bit of a? Uh, I'm, I'm, I was Shannon. I think I think the uh, I think the voice was great. I think look, I think that I think what they're able to do on TV on their yeah. budgets is amazing. Everything is looking feature quality. It looks spectacular. Like I've got yeah. no complaints. I think the one thing that we've seen, whether it was the Pikes in Book yeah. of Boba Fett, some people's opinion about Cad Bane. I think that we, yeah. particularly if you're a fan of the animated series. That stylized, sort of skinnier faces, stretched out faces. There's an element, you know, to the way that they design these characters that when you reverse engineer them back to actually using prosthetics on somebody, there's only so much you can do unless you're going to start doing CG, and that starts to get really pricey really fast. So yeah. I, I'm with Shannon. Like, I, when I saw the one shot of the Inquisitor, I was like, mm, okay, we'll see. But I think that's something that maybe throw, might throw me off in the first scene, and then I'll just get used to it. I think that okay. the promise of this idea of the Inquisitors coming in, hunting down the Jedi, doing doing the work uh, that was started by Anakin uh, yeah. in Revenge of the Sith and Order 66. Like, I think it's just gonna be great. It's such a compelling story, and it's gonna link up so nicely to Star Wars Rebels. I mean, you know, it's like, as this chapter right. is doing what it's doing, you'll be able to go watch all of this one day and go right from Obi-Wan Kenobi into uh, Rebels and see these Inquisitors show up and you'd be like, oh yeah, I know who they are. This is great. Right. Um, and Ewan McGregor just looks fantastic. I think, you know, I think with Book of Boba Fett, there was a lot of, well, what is this show going to be? Like, we know we're going to see how he got out of the Sarlacc pit, but what is this show going to be? And then we took a detour into Mandalorian country and it was, right. this just feels like it's a show, just based on the trailer, it just feels like it's a show that really knows exactly what it is. Here is a story it is very specific. It is about a character that we want to know where he's at. We all know that he's starting at maybe his lowest point ever. And we know where he's gonna end up at New Hope, but there's a lot of miles in there to fill in. Like there's a lot of things, cause you know, we know briefly through Star Wars Rebels uh, that he kind of wraps up things with Darth Maul. But beyond that, like we don't know the adventures he goes on. We don't know the things that he does. So there's a lot of potential story here uh, and like I said, to me, looking at it, seeing him on that um, that like sort of workship with all the other people, you know, there very much is this feel like not only not only um, Obi Wan Kenobi, but just as a galaxy. Like this is a galaxy where the Empire has just recently taken over, yeah. and everything and everyone just feels so defeated. You see everybody like in that line. It felt very like the Depression. You see everybody in the workship, like they're just trying to get by, keeping their heads down. Uh, and so you really get a sense of like, you know, here's a bunch of people uh, that are not ready for the Inquisitors to show up and start, you know, kicking ass. And how far of that is Obi-Wan, how much of that is Obi-Wan Kenobi going to take before right. he can't take anymore? Like, it's a really compelling setup. Yeah. And what what is, let me ask you this. What's sitting next to him? What is that? What is it's Grogu. It it's Grogu. He's really young. Grogu I mean, just hatched. Grogu just hatched out of his Yoda egg. I mean, <laughs> it's like Baby Groot. He's just like. I mean, uh, I, I didn't think Grogu was showing up in the Book of Boba Fett. So at this point, <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy's like, "You gotta put Grogu in here." <laughs> 
Favreau. I don't want to do put it in it, Filoni. I'm not going to put it in it. Um, I don't know. That was a question because I because at the end, the last shot of him, it looks like he's like digging into a bag for something, and it looks like a bag next to him. Is it his own lightsaber? Has he sworn off the lightsaber? Is he not going to use it? And there's also Maybe. that shot in the alley with someone there with a blaster facing off in a kind of a gun uh, show uh, showdown with uh, with Reva. And who is that? Is that Han Solo uses a blaster? Is that Uncle you Owen? Is that you love to throw Han Solo into every conversation like Han Solo is going to show up? You love to doubt me, and then Andrew Garfield How? saves. You know, I'm just throwing it out there. How old is Han Solo right now? You do the math. How old is Han Solo? It's 15, 16. Wouldn't Maybe. you say? Well, I mean, how, how old, old does Luke? How old does Luke look? I I, I thought Luke looked a He's little. He's at least old. ten. I, least that's 10. what I was gonna say. He was yeah. gonna. He was at least ten. He was only seven years away from a new hope. Maybe seven or eight. So I think Solo is at least in his twenties or young teen or late <laughs> teens. So I don't know. I'm throwing it out there, but it could be it could be Obi Wan. It could be Uncle Owen. And I want to go back to the Uncle Owen thing you mentioned here, Shannon. Yeah, Deborah Chow said a pretty a strong statement there with Joel Edgerton. That means Uncle Owen is going to have a really strong part in this show. And so you know we're used to we're original trilogy people originally. You know Uncle Owen ain't that scary when you see him in the movie. He's a bit angry. He's a little doughier. But the, going the Joel Edgerton route, what do we see? What are we going to get from him? Remember, I mean, could, they gave him the baby, so he must be, or Luke rather, he must be aware of the connection here. So, oh, yeah. oh. so, so if he's aware of it, how much of it, how much of an active part is he going to play here in defending Luke? Is this a rebirth, in essence, of this character in people's eyes, in a way, canon-wise? That will be a completely different um, way that you assess Uncle Owen now going forward after this series. Oh, I'm hoping that this this uh, this series is going to inform why o- Uncle Owen was so with Luke. Like, don't go talk to that crazy old man. Good like, point. Keep him. Like, don't go near that guy. Like, there's yeah. n- there's nothing but nothing but trouble over there. Well, yeah, no, like I said, I mean, like the comics already sort of established some of this, and I'm hoping that the series kind of takes their cues from it, in that. At, at a certain point, Obi-Wan Kenobi, in the comics, th- this they might not go this route, but in the comics, Obi-Wan Kenobi's like, look, if this kid doesn't have any training, if this kid doesn't know anything about the Force, and he runs yeah. into his dad, like, he's going to be in trouble. Like, I need to I need to show this kid something. I need to, like, get this kid prepared. And, uh, and Uncle Owen is like, no. Like, yeah. I, I know who his dad is. I know what happened to his dad. Under no circumstances are you are you going near him? Like I don't right. want you anywhere. And like and like that that relationship. These two people that both care very much about Luke, but might have very different ideas yeah. on what protecting him means. I think there's a lot to play there for sure. Uh, and even if they don't go on the route exactly that the comics did, there's still it's really easy to see how these two would have very different opinions on what uh, what keeping him safe really looks like. Yeah. And in terms of who you were talking about, John, who 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 was in that blaster fight? Yep. I mean, we've not, you know, we didn't get a glimpse of Kumail Nanjiani. We didn't get a glimpse of O'Shea Jackson Jr. We didn't get right. a glimpse of Benny Safdie. We right. did see, which I thought was awesome, a super fast shot of Indira Varma yes. as a as an Imperial officer, which, yeah. you know, for our audience, like, you know, she was from Game of Thrones. She was from Rome. Yeah. You know, spectacular performer. Um, 
yeah, the idea that the Empire is going in and basically shaking Tatooine down to find, you know, these potentially hidden Jedi, I think is is it's going to be a blast. Do you think Vader is leading this assault with the Inquisitors? Do you think Vader knows Kenobi's on this planet or suspects Kenobi's on this planet, which is why he has sent these ruthless Inquisitors to come and and go after him, possibly? And, and of course, that new planet, Daiwu, I think that's how you say it, Daiwu. Do you think that's a possibility? I mean, I don't see how it wouldn't be, knowing that that Jedi and that they can sense the disturb, they can sense each other. Yeah, like it, it would not, it would not surprise me. Um, and also, you know, Vader knowing that I have a half brother who who is on this planet. Like, right. I don't. Yeah, it, it it's very exciting. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, I, I don't think he's leading the assault. I, I have I mean I'll be like I, I'll be happy to be wrong on this. I want to see yeah. as much of Anakin uh or you know early Vader as we can. Early. I think we won't see as much of him as people are hoping we see. I think that they'll yeah. be holding that in reserve. I think that the Grand Inquisitor and the Inquisitors are doing the most of uh the most of the heavy lifting in the series and we'll yeah. see just a little bit of where he's at. But I could I could be wrong and I would be super happy to be wrong about that. Okay. Um, you know, and I think like again, it'll be interesting to see how much Darth Vader does know. Like Shannon said, the force you can sense people like, are they on Tatooine because Anakin really is sure that Obi-Wan Kenobi is uh, is there and that's where he's at and that's what's happening? Is this just a broad search for Jedi in general? Like how much of this is a personal thing and how much of this is just like this is our new job? And, you know, like there is a world and I mean, I'm not saying that I think this is necessarily what I would like to see where this is just about two people picking up the pieces where we last left them and and building in their own way, like where Obi-Wan Kenobi is at his lowest point. And figuring out what protecting Luke and being a Jedi in this new normal means. At right. the same time, we see a little bit of Anakin stepping into his role as Darth Vader and kind of getting more comfortable with that. And maybe the never the twain shall meet. Like, I don't know that this is culminating. I, again, I'd be, I could be wrong on this. I don't know that I need to see a battle between Anakin uh, or between Vader and Obi-Wan that is the precursor to the battle in A New Hope. I kind of think it makes sense that we saw them on Mustafar and they don't really see each other again until the Death Star. Um, so we'll see. I, I'd be really surprised. Someone on the um, on my trailer reaction commented that, I don't know if it's right or not, because I haven't checked it, but Kathleen Kennedy apparently said that there's going to be two fights between those two, but I've never seen anything where she said that. So I don't know if they would have two separate fights um, lightsaber fights in in the show that would seem weird. One would would make sense at I mean, some point. Maybe we but, see a flashback. I mean, maybe we see them training at the Jedi Temple and we see them fighting with each other. Yeah, you know, there's I mean, that I way that around it. Yeah. There's there's definitely ways that you can have Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen performing together right, without right. actually doing. It. That being said, maybe they do face off. Like you know, Anakin knows that Obi Wan Kenobi is alive at least when. Last he saw him, he left him yeah. legless and walked away. Like, he knows sure. Obi-Wan Kenobi's not dead. So maybe this is the final confrontation before A New Hope. Like, who knows? Yeah. It, it, it's so wide open, but the possibilities are really, really exciting. And, and another side of this uh, that's Rebels-related, as you both have brought up here, the Grand Inquisitors. Real quick, let's talk about that. Some of the shots of what people are speculating here. I'm looking at uh, Gizmodo here, Jermaine Lucier, saying that uh, it, it looked like the Fortress Inquisitorius Based on the moon of Noor in the Mustafar system introduced in Jedi Fallen Order, we do get a number of shots of that base with a black sleek ship 
coming, uh, you know, coming into it and seeing inside of it. So um, how much of that is going to play into this? And did you guys get a little bit of a jazz uh, seeing that, seeing that uh, Fortress Inquisitorius in live action uh, form here? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it looks like it looks like Reva's Reva's getting her assignment uh, yeah, essentially okay. from yeah. the fifth brother and whoever the other the other inquisitor is whatever sister number yeah, they're speculating sister seventh sister but i don't know if that's true or not yeah i don't think that's the seventh because she's yeah. she didn't have it looks like she had like uh, tendrils um but sure. yes whenever we get to see um a new star wars location in in live action it always you know it always sort of awakens the the, the seven-year-old in me um things that you know pre the prequels like i thought star wars was done yeah and then after episode three i was like okay star wars is done we're not gonna see it anymore and the fact that we are seeing it and some of the results haven't been exactly what i wanted but the fact that we still get these you you get the best effects possible now with people telling these stories who are insanely passionate about it and that's Mm -hmm. the thing that makes me that, that has me so excited for the series even feeling a little book of boba burned at the end of that at the end of that one <laughs> i i think that i i'm just thrilled about to, up to the, your point about the inquisitors and uh and, and just seeing more of them and their world and everything like they're such a great idea like you know george lucas sort of presented this idea of the sith that there can be only two but then you were like well shit, i kind of want some other badasses and the inquisitors were born like they are right. not sith lords they are force sensitive people who the sith use to do their dirty work um, but like in a way, now that they're in live action, I think the Inquisitors are what the Knights of Ren could have been and never Ooh. were. Right. You know, we we were introduced to this really great idea in Force Awakens of the Knights of Ren, and we like got really excited. Ryan Johnson clearly not that interested in them, and then J.J. <laughs> Abrams was like, okay, well let me bring them back in at the end just to have them get their butts kicked, and they never really became a thing. Yeah. But the Inquisitors, we already know what their deal is and we already know that they're pretty cool and so seeing these and whether you learned about them from rebels or learned about them from jedi fallen order in both places they're really really awesome so seeing them come to life and seeing this whole new level of bad guy uh kind of come to life in live action i think is going to be really exciting for people that aren't as familiar with the rest of star wars yeah we also got a new droid so we'll see who that droid is called they're speculating it says the armor says ned so could it be ned the droid uh speculating that that's my vote who... is that's my vote is that's kumal Najiani. yeah yeah i just think he lends him his voice is i think he lends himself really well to being a really funny droid uh i could be totally wrong on that but i i just have all from the moment that they were all announced i was like i bet you're a droid yeah. he spent all those hours in the gym he doesn't get to show off his physique <laughs> You kicked me out of the final battle, and I can't show my physique. All right, cool. Good to go. Um, all right, any other final words before we wrap up here on this uh, teaser trailer for Kenobi? No, a lot of exciting stuff coming up on Disney+. Plus. Um, Moon Knight in a couple of weeks, and then uh, Obi-Wan right after that. I, uh, even though I made fun of Shannon, I do think like just the fact that they hit that Duel of Fates hard in that trailer was really uh, personally satisfying to me because... I have a lot of opinions on the prequels that are not great, but the score is not one of them. I think that John Williams just knocked every single one of those movies right out of the park, and uh, Duel of the Fates is amazing. So to kind of call that back, uh, I thought was really, really smart. And and, uh, John Williams will be doing the main theme for Kenobi, so that's a positive 
uh, kind of connect everything uh, together, kind of full circle. So pretty great. Let stuff. that man do as many themes as he can in the time he has got left. Yeah. 91 years old. He might outlive us all. You never know. Um, all right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us for this episode of the Geek Buddies. We appreciate it madly. Were you listening to us on our podcast feed or watching here on the Outlaw Nation YouTube channel, watching our pretty faces talk about all things geekery. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mikey? Um, if you want to hear us talking about all manner of things, including John Roca's wacky opinions on Batman villains in <laughs> Arkham City, uh, here is how you can help us keep doing that. Uh, definitely hit the like button below. Just hit it right now while I'm talking about it. Uh, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Check out all the other amazing content that he's got going on. Leave your comments below. What do you think about Disney and Bob Chapek? What do you think about this new Arkham series? What do you think about the Penguin series? What do you think of these trailers? And most importantly, what did you think of the Kenobi trailer? Uh, let us know below. If you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere podcasts are available, take a little bit of a second, leave us some stars and some comments, helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it to your socials, and tell all your friends to hang out with the Geek Buddies. There you go. Boom, boom, boom. So thank you all so much. We appreciate it madly. Just a quick programming note here. Uh, I got a new show starting up tomorrow on the Outlaw Nation called The Hot Mic, where me and Jeff Snyder tackle the controversial issues of the world of entertainment and the bigger issues in the world of entertainment as well. Ooh, so we're just starting. I'm already nervous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's uh, some people already saying, "Oh, what could go wrong with that uh, Simpsons guy in the in the uh, crash helmet?" So yeah, uh, but so it's going to be a lot of fun, certainly, to see that. But uh, it is going to be live at four PM PT. Going to be doing that probably every Thursday uh, with Jeff Snyder and uh, you guys asked for it, so now it's happening. We'll see if we survive or not. And also, big thanks to Carbon Health who powers and sponsors what we do here on the Geek Buddies and by uh, default the Outlaw Nation as well. You guys are awesome. Please go to carbonhealth.com and go check out. Go see. Go get checked out. Go see if they've got a clinic near you. They got uh, 90 clinics in 14 states. They offer virtual care in 24 states. Pretty much anything that you've got going on with, you can get checked out with them. And sometimes you can get day of appointments, which we know is very hard to do nowadays. So go and check them out. They believe good health care should be accessible to everybody, and they certainly care about you as much as we do. All right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of The... Geek Buddies! <gasps> hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing. 
become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.